Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Jim Monk. Jim is the president of Closets and Closets has developed a program to increase rents three to 5% while improving the net operating income and asset value, all without multifamily owners laying out much capital. His goal is to differentiate beyond the normal amenities and tap into a new area of construction, development, renovations, and property management. So as we were talking a little bit earlier, Jim, we're going to talk a little bit more about the value add strategies that we can implement as multifamily investors. And so I'm just really start excited to get into this conversation with you. And so welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Jim, can you talk a little bit about your background and why did you decide to get started in uh, real estate? So great question, actually. From my perspective, I'd, run, I'd start up a bunch of companies, uh, three of them to be precise. This is my fourth and had good exits. So, you know, I'm an entrepreneur by heart. So, and I'm a big believer in uh, people being entrepreneurs. So good for you guys. So for myself, uh, with discretionary income, I wanted to do passive investment into real estate. And so uh, over time, I had accumulated about a portfolio of 2000 uh, doors. So uh, all owned outright. So I was just kind of in this place where I'd worked in manufacturing and financial services and so forth. And I was talking to a friend of mine who ran the largest renovations company for multifamily in the country, which is now actually part of Katerra out of uh, California there. And uh, I was asking him, look, you know, we've done everything that we know to do and so forth. We're trying to look at raising rents and we're having great experience with multifamily. I love it. I love the industry. And um, that led us down the path that we're at today. But I got started as a passive investor like many and um, reaping the benefits of that and looking to continue to do that as well. Awesome. So as you started multifamily, what are some of the things that you kind of noticed as you're you know, in the space in terms of like the value add strategies and like as you were developing closets, kind of how you were able to implement some of those things that you've seen into, into the multifamily investments assets? Well, and for myself personally, a lot of my uh, property set is in Dallas, uh, Texas and other major metros. And what I found was one of the struggles we had was moving the needle, as I like to call it, on, on things because the flooring had been done, it had been upgraded. The quartz or granite countertops had been done. There'd already been a lot of upgrades or value adds done to the property sets that, that I was dealing with, which were B-class properties or C's taking them to B's. And the challenge was, what more can we do that's not going to be a major expense to us? And this is all pre-COVID and everything else too. So, you know, this is going back about four years. So the market's still very hot. It's moving well. But we were getting to a point where there just wasn't much for us to do. And that was one of the biggest things that you have to get creative, I think. So that's one of the things that, that I've learned in this space is if you want to differentiate your product in the marketplace and you want to really unlock revenue, you really have to think about things beyond just a dog park because everyone's doing those types of things. And so how do you distinguish yourself? And that's... You know, one of the things that as I learned about the industry and so forth that was more complicated is some of the properties you may experience this too, they may have been renovated two and three times by now. 
you know, if it's an older set, 60s, 70s years, you know, build out, they may have been renovated multiple times. So what did you do? And so um, that led us to, you know, the conversation with my friend, Stephen Bolos, and asking, what are you seeing that these large multifamily groups are doing out there? And he simply said, they're doing everything that everyone else is doing and what you're doing. They're upgrading the kitchens. They're upgrading the flooring. They're painting, doing a little bit of exterior work, maybe improving the common areas. So you've done about everything you can do. As an entrepreneur, my question was, kind of, I took a different approach, which was, well, what is everyone not doing in the unit itself? What are people not touching or doing? And that's when he came in and said, no one's touching the closet. He said, there's, there's no one touching that. And I said, why? He goes, because there's no money in it. And that led us on to uh, a theory, which has proven out well, that we're at the right market segment. And we can talk about that here a little deeper of why people would want a upgraded closet, but why more importantly, the industry should be making this change and what conditioning in the industry has done. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will say that conditioning of, you know, well, there's nothing there for revenue in the closet. I can prove hundreds of times over in, in multiple complex, hundreds of complexes where we're doing that. And so how do you correlate the two, the costs for the renovations and upgrading the closet? And then how do you correlate it with the with uh, increasing the value of the property? Great question. So for us, very much like most things, you should test. And so what we've done is in the correlating this is we went in with the theory that if we upgrade the closet, that we could see a rent increase, how much we didn't know at the time. Uh, what we have found through the industry and across basically 27 markets now, you know, we've been really selling only for about a year and a half from now since COVID and everything hit. So we're in 27 markets already. That's how quickly it's growing. And it's because what's happened is we'll beta test with a client. We'll say, look, let's put a couple of units in and let's see what kind of rent increases we can get. Our average client sees about a $35 to $40 rent increase per month. And people may go, that sounds like a lot of money. It depends on the market segment you're in. It depends on the, the class of property you're dealing with. But what we found was, is that people are looking for more storage space if you're a boomer. And if you're a millennial, you're looking for a resort type of amenities that, you know, since especially with shelter in place and so forth, that make you feel good about the environment that you're in. And that includes the closet. A lot of us, a closet's kind of a sanctuary for most of us. You don't have people walking through that. It's not a common area. But a lot of us like to keep things very organized. I know I know I do. And so, and showcasing things and, and there's a lot of pride that's put in that. And so what we found is that today's marketplace is open to those types of things because they're seeing all these different shows on TV. They're seeing celebrities show their uh, closet sets and so forth, or the Kardashians and so on. And they're going, I want that. How can I get that? And so really kind of going back to your original question, the correlation side, what we found was, is that the more important numbers were, can you support a three to 5% rent increase and controlling costs on our end? Since we manufacture the product, we, we cut out all middle people, all, you know, distributors and so forth. So we're, we're direct to market, but being able to support that rent increase and what does that do to the net operating income of the property set and ultimately the asset value of the property, if you're looking to exit that property. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Especially now, like you had mentioned, there's a lot of shows and a lot of 
resources out there to wanting to organize your closets, you know, like the Marie Kondos and everything like that. You're seeing all these things. And so, you know, it is something that a lot of people are looking to improve and to get those types of luxury closets, places where you can be more organized. And so I think that it's a great point that you guys have seen in the marketplace because a lot of this stuff has been coming out, especially in the recent years. Correct. And I think that there's a, a misconception, you know, obviously we product here, that's a furniture grade product and so forth. But one of the biggest challenges I think, and why you haven't seen it go in our business is really in the make readies, the turns and renovations. So we're taking existing properties and, and really ripping out, putting in, or having our clients rip out. And we put in our closet system within a short span of time, which you see behind me took only two hours for one individual to do. And so it's designed like that so that we can do it on the turns and get our clients making money very rapidly in a very short stint of time. So the product was designed from the ground floor up for the multifamily space and for make readies and turns. The more important factor is that a lot of people just don't think of this as a, a revenue source because not many people have done it thus far. But you know, if you look back 10, 15, 20 years ago, stainless steel, I paid, I paid an upcharge to have stainless steel appliances. Now they're pretty much a, a given or backsplashes and so forth. So we see this being one of the last areas of an apartment that can, or of a property that can be upgraded at a low cost. And that's the real big factor there that led us to manufacturing the product is that a lot of the competitors out there work through distribution, franchise models, and so forth. And if you're talking about something that's twelve to $1,500 in cost, it's really hard to get the ROI out of that. You have to be below that in order to be competitive, to get the ROI out of our product or out of this type of product even. So that's something we've been very conscious of when we work with the companies that we've been working with. And so for an investor who is looking to put together like a capital expenditures and, and renovations budget, and they want to consider putting in an upgraded closet to the units, what type of expectation or what type of like uh, reserves should they put in for a project like this? Great question. And, and I'll tell you, there's some definite things that happen on the acquisition side. Right now, first off, at this point in time, it's probably very much like what it is over the few. The market is very hot on acquisition activity right now. We've walked over 60 properties just in the first quarter of this year for new clients that are value engineering us in. So in Phoenix and Dallas and all over the place. But what we found is, so the pricing and the labor varies according to what they want to do. But as a national average, it's somewhere, if it's full turnkey, it's somewhere between $700 and $800 per unit or per door is what we're looking at. That's full turnkey. That's installed. And so you can very quickly run the numbers. And our, our average client sees a 37% ROI after three years. So strong numbers, strong support to what we do. And that's on the cap, the capital expenditure side. And then the other aspect of it is, is how many units are you, you looking to do and what is your product mix? And so one of the things that um, I like to tell people is where you're going to see your largest rent increase with our value add is going to be in the primary closet set. We do have clients that do it in the second and third bedrooms as well. They'll get a slight rent increase off of that in the single digits, but the primary uh, closets where you'll spend, you should spend the bulk of the cash as it relates to an upgrade like this and see the largest return. I see. And so like you, one of the things that you mentioned also earlier was about markets, you know, are there certain markets that are more susceptible and more, there's more of a demand for something like this? And are there markets that are, are not as, I guess, receptive to an upgrade? 
Great question. So what we have found is that California is opening up as well. The big thing that you have to look at is for us, we've been in the secondary and tertiary markets as well. What we found is that your B class and A class, but particularly your B class property sets will benefit from this. Mid-rises really pick up this in garden styles, but mid-rises are where we see a lot of activity happening and the garden styles as well. But a lot of times on the garden styles, we may be competing against dollars for something else that needs to be improved on if it's an older unit set. If it's typically a property that is 2010 and above, I'm just thinking about that. Typically, we're going in as one of the very few upgraded amenities because most stuff's already done or it's not dated that, you know, it's not, you know, they already have courts, they already have hard surfaces, and they're just trying to get some basic level of upgrade in that unit so they can get a rent increase or justify what they're trying to accomplish. And so we see the upgraded closets and everything like that, but then why is it that more multifamily investors, when they're looking at to improve and do a value-add strategies, why isn't like the smaller investors um, implementing this type of strategy? And is it mostly just the larger institutions that are doing something like this? Great question. So from our perspective, and I'll speak just closets, one of the things that we recognized uh, was that we need to go after the larger group sets first. So we work with a lot of large-scale REITs and uh, publicly traded uh, holdings companies for multifamily. Why we did that, it was to first show that the market was there, that we could actually do this. And it would allow for scale because we needed a lot of volume to drive down our cost before we went into what we would call the the mid-market operators. And for us, that's people that have over 50,000 doors or less. I mean, and that's still a big number. That is a huge market. But we decided to go after groups that had larger group sets so that we could prove out the model, be able to use those household names if people knew who they were, and really dial in the numbers. Because frankly, the scrutiny that these larger REITs have and other groups have is pretty extensive on what they're trying to accomplish. So if we could appease the numbers there, we knew as a company, we could go into the mid-market and start working with operators in a, at a regional level or more smaller group sets. And so we have crews in Phoenix and Houston and North Carolina and Raleigh, and they're going all day long. So now it's just about finding those clients and then just engaging them with our uh, teams on the ground and start doing installations immediately. So that's for us. I would also say that a lot of this knowledge, to me, it seems like this knowledge is shared in the marketplace and is somewhat fragmented still at the mid-market levels. And so what you have is you have influencers and you have groups out there like Joe Fairless and like uh, Grant Cardone and others out there that are talking around these things. And this is the newest thing coming out. So I think it's just, it hasn't hit yet in the group yet, but it's coming. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And so you talked a little bit about getting the 
return on the investments upfront after a couple after you implement this. But how about on the back end? Are there any other areas where we don't really think about that we can add value or we would recognize some of the the benefits of installing an upgraded closet? So I think one of the things that we've learned is there's seasonality to a portfolio, right? I mean, you're either coming into it to hold for a long period of time, or you're looking to get it valued engineered over a period of time and then flip it uh, to another, uh, an exit. And so the very first thing I think we learned from our client base was, what are you trying to accomplish with the units or the, the complex that is? And so for us, what we decided to do was talk to them. And so one of the very first things we found is for some of them, it's cash flow. How can I get my cash flow and get moving on that quickly? And we'll address that in a minute because we actually came out with a, a product bolt on to this for the closet to help on that on the financing piece. But for a lot of our clients, it came down to cash flow and is it going to improve my NOI so I can get a larger exit? And so that was the very first thing we saw. And so in the strategies held true for the ones who have exited with us, they've had really great multiples on that, on the investment piece of ours. And we can quantify that. For some of the other clients though, now they become more sophisticated. And I think some of these are really brilliant. One is we have clients that will use this as they're getting ready to exit a property. They'll bring it in as a, a proof of concept and then test that concept, make sure that it's working. Then as they're getting ready to sell the complex off, they're showing this program to the potential new buyers. And we thought that was brilliant because it's a way to show more upside to the new ownership, but also potentially taking some more money off the table and unlocking that value. So that's been a very creative one. One of the biggest ones we've seen is what we call accelerated depreciation, where they're depreciating it down from a couple of years and they're, they're condensing that down in that first year so that that can push down to the investors in the K-1. So that's another aspect of it that they're doing. Another one is writing off the interest or the investment so that they can defer uh, profits for a year. So some of our clients will do deferred profits because they don't want to they want to take advantage of maybe a new tax law coming out or they want to wait and see if the tax laws improve. So they'll do that as well. And so those are the types of initiatives that we've seen that some of the other groups have done that are clever where it may not be just the rent increase or the asset value increase that they're looking for, but tax savings or deferring out payments to investors and so forth. And so from a timing perspective, how long does it typically take to install a closet per unit? So our average is two hours. So if a team comes in and does an installation, it's typically taking two hours. That's mainly because we're trying to get in and out so that the client can lease up the property. We're one of the few, you know, after everything is done, uh, amenities. So we're trying to make sure that we're not holding up our client base to renting out the property set. One thing I would say, I was going to allude to this a minute ago, was that one of the other reasons why clients are working with us, and we haven't really talked a lot about this openly, is that, you know, you mentioned the capital expenditure. And a lot of our clients would come in and say, you know what, we, we're doing it on these acquisitions, but we have this portfolio of X number of complexes. And we we really like your product, but we don't have CapEx. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know what to do. So we came up with a very unique program. And I'd say we've talked about it a little bit in the open, but not a lot. So I'm a little hesitant, but... We created a lease to purchase program where over a four to five year period, our clients can lease our product with a dollar buyout at the end of it. 
Now, why do we do that? Because they didn't have CapEx and it allows them to cash flow immediately. Our average lease is about $20 to $24. And as I told you before, our average client sees a $35 to $40 rent increase. So we're able to do that for our client uh, base and allow them to cash flow immediately off of that and start doing it into the rest of their portfolio if they like. Furthermore, because of the industry and us knowing the industry uh, as well as we did, it is a non-collateralized, we don't require collateral or putting the property up with a lien or anything of that nature. So it's non-collateralized. So the benefits are uh, a number of fold. One of the big reasons for that is because a lot of the primary lien holders would, would actually tell you, no, sorry, you can't put a lien against the property, a secondary lien against the property. So we knew that. So we've created a product, the first out there in the industry to do a lease to purchase program for clients around our product. That's how committed we are to it and know that it works. That's a, I think that's a really great program to utilize, especially like you mentioned, for those people who might not have budgeted capital expenditure in the beginning, but they want to implement and incorporate this type of strategy into their model. Correct. That's, well, that's what our belief is. We hope that it's going to be the industry standard in the future. And so what happens at the end, let's say if a property or an operator is looking at to exit and they are in this program, this leasing program, what kind of happens during that time? That's a great question. So what typically happens if there's any payoff that needs to occur, that payoff will occur on what's outstanding. Then what happens is we qualify the new ownership. If they want to continue with the program, we get them set up on the, the same terms and we continue to move forward. Oh. Relatively simple. I tried to make it simple. Yeah, that makes it easy enough for the new owner to take over or to you know find a different strategy if they want to. Correct. So Jim, for you, now that you've come up with closets and now you're building it out and expanding it, what's kind of next for you and what are you looking to do? As an individual or as a company? Both. <laughs> so as a company, we believe in omni-channel. So omni-channel for those listeners who don't know would be multiple channels of our product. So we're in multifamily. So senior housing, student living would also be another factor as well. We've also looked at uh, track building uh, as a product that ours can play into. So we've, we've considered a couple different options where people have approached us or companies have. So we see that continuing to expand as well as our market share continuing to expand into other markets that we're not currently in. You know, we're still a young company. So we still see our growth doing an upward hockey stick trajectory. So um, that's what we see there. For myself personally, I think the focus is with me doing a multitude of uh, different startups and so forth. One of the things that I want to start giving back to is mentorship. So mentorship is a really big thing to me. There's just so many people out there that are coming into their first business or second or third that it's great to collaborate. It's great to talk through just the trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur and what the stressors are, especially in today's marketplace. There's just additional stressors. So it's that, it's philanthropic things. So we're myself and my business partner are heavily involved in several philanthropic uh, ventures, uh, helping out in the community and so on. And then being the best dad that I can be. And <laughs> that's, that's what I can ask to do. Oh, that's the number one. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe when Disneyland opens back up, uh, you can bring them over. <laughs> My kids love it. They're, they, we love it. So that and uh, Cars Land. Oh, yes. Yes, mine too. <laughs> I get it. So Jim, how has real estate investing impacted your life? You know, it's impacted in a way that, that I think, uh, for one, it does provide stable net worth. You know, if, if you do it, you do it consistently, it, it can provide a really great uh, income or an addition to your portfolio. And that's what I had originally done. 
But what it's also done for me is open me to the broader industry and community of multifamily. You know, I was just at a convention last week in uh, Texas, and I'm going to be going to the National Apartment Association one in Chicago here shortly. And it's amazing how big of an industry it is, but how small it really is. And so you get to meet people, you get to meet colleagues, you get to make friends. And so it's been very beneficial there to know that I can lean on people industry and talk through strategies, even as an investor or in closets and really get sound information, credible information. And, and so that's a real great thing coming out of other industries that are more fragmented or they're not as networked. So that is one of the things I've learned and I do appreciate very much about the apartment industry as a whole in real estate. Jim, if there was one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? I think I would have depended on people more that know the space. I went into my first couple of investments a little bit blind and naive, and it would have been very helpful to have individuals like yourself that have that knowledge that allows people like myself, who at the time I'd probably say I was a little arrogant about, to go in and go, okay, I can handle this and do this. And you don't know the first thing about rent collection. What happens when this happens on the, what happens when there's a flood, if you're not working with a management company, you know, just different things. And so if I could talk to myself again, it'd be surround yourself with really great people that know this stuff and let them lead and be that true passive investor and let them do what they're great at. And versus trying to take some of these things on yourself because it can get out of hand very quickly. And there are just things that, that just pop up, as you probably know, that while it's a great industry, you're going over going, I, I never thought that would exist, or I, I didn't think that was a problem. And here we are. Yeah, I would totally agree. You know, lean on the people, the experts the, who have been in the field for quite some time, and maybe cut down your learning curve and avoid some of the mistakes that you might have um, come across it. Otherwise, if you are doing it on your own. Costly mistakes. I will tell you right now, it's not only time, but money. I, I can definitely speak to a couple of those where I'd go, wow, we're going we're gonna to get out of this, but this is not what we were thinking. What is one thing that sets the successful people apart in the real estate investing business? I think discipline. I, I think this applies to any business, but discipline and taking it very seriously. It, it's a, it is truly work. It takes it. It's not about just throwing money at something and hoping it. There has to be a strategy behind that. So discipline and, and adhering to a strategy or um, uh, a plan. I think that is critically important in whatever you're doing. And I have seen investors come into this without a plan. They go, you know what? I've got cash and I'm going to throw it at it. And that is okay. But that is not a plan in itself. You've got to be able to execute on that plan to get back those returns that you're looking for. And so that's the one thing I, I say when I see people that have done well in real estate, they're disciplined, they're consistent with that, and they work a plan. Jim, do you have any tools or techniques that you've used to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life that you can share with us today? So uh, one of the ones I would say that improves around communication is every day within uh, my teams and even around the portfolios of different things I have, I will get on a, what we call a standing call. So every morning, we rate ourselves from a one to 10, 10 being the best, one being horrific day. And we go around the room with the executive team and ask them, where are you at on your, your grade? What do you have hot on your list today? How can I help break down some of those things from a communication point of view? And I also do that on the portfolio side 
with my own personal stuff. And the, the main goal there is to be able to break down obstacles for those people to do their jobs effectively. And so I found that if you empower the individuals and you help the person that breaks down the roadblocks or guides them where they need to go and just execute quickly, then you're, you're already 90% there. And so that's one of the things that we do in every company I've been involved with. And like I said, my own personal stuff. No, that's a really great tip. Thank you so much for sharing, Jim. Absolutely. And so thank you also for sharing, you know, the different ways we never really thought about of adding value to an investment property. And I mean, some of the things that you talked about, about accelerated depreciation, getting your return on investments on doing the upgraded closets, you know, those are like thinking outside of the box, things that you typically wouldn't normally um, consider as you're doing a value add type strategy. Correct. And I really have to commend our clients that are that creative. I wish I could take all ownership in that, but it's the groups out there and the people that you work with that come with this and you're like, wow, that is, I'm going to use that and and we're going to pass that along. Absolutely. And you know, especially you don't think about the value that you can add by um, by upgrading your closets, but you and your team have proven and to shown, you know, that the returns that you're able to get and the other ways that you're able to increase your net operating income and create the value add different ways. It's really great that you guys are spreading the word about that as well. Well, thank you. We're excited. This is our calling, our mantra. This is what we're going for. So, Jim, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you and what you do, Jim, where can they go? So the first place would be LinkedIn. So for myself, I'm on LinkedIn. Look for Jim, J-I-M, Monk, M-O-N-K. They can also reach out to us at Closets, and that's C-L-O-Z-Z-I-T-S dot com. Or they can reach out to me personally via email, jmonk, M-O-N-K, at Closets.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate you spending the time with us today and sharing everything. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.